96.3 WRST FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen, and I'm your host, Max, and joining me here in the booth is Gideon. How's it going? And today we are going to be talking about uh, two very interesting modern realistic sci-fi movies um, from the... Uh, let's say, like, 2010s era of filmmaking. Um, I've been kind of writing some stuff pertaining to this kind of genre of film, and uh, the two we have here today are Inception and I Am Legend. Um, And what do you want to start out with today, Gideon? Let's go with Inception. Okay, Inception it is. Uh, I got a little bit of a clip here from Inception, and uh, we'll let that run a little bit, and then we'll begin to talk about the plot. Saito, we can train your subconscious to defend itself from even the most skilled extractor. How can I do that? Because I am the most skilled extractor. I know how to search your mind and find your secrets. I know the tricks, and I can teach them to you so that even when you're asleep, your defense is never down. Look, if you want my help, you're going to have to be completely open with me. I need to know my way around your thoughts better than your wife, better than your therapist, better than anyone. If this is a dream and you have a safe full of secrets, I need to know what's in that safe. And uh, that's just a little bit from the very beginning of the uh, of the film where you have the main character kind of meeting with a client about some of the uses of, of this technology that is in the world of this film. Um, let's please uh, add yeah. on to that, Gideon. Um, I would- I mean, I feel like this has been long enough that we can spoil the opening scene. Yeah. Um, So in the opening scene, he's meeting with with Saito, um, but then, and he's telling about the the way a a dream functions and the way dream logic functions. Um, And then eventually, uh, we discover that it's not, in fact, reality, and they are talking inside of a dream. Um, And so they, and then we find out after that, that it's not actually even a dream, it's a dream inside of a dream. Um, and then Saito is so impressed with the fact that they've been able to pull off this this two-level dream heist, essentially, um, that he hires them to go off and do this other heist um, for uh, but some it's international not a heist. espionage stuff. It's, it's not, not it's a no heist. longer a heist. Because so normally what they do is they go in and steal memories or ideas or something that's inside of other people's heads, and that's kind of their job. Um, but what he wants to do is perform Inception, which is planting an idea in somebody else's head rather than stealing one. Yeah, exactly. Um, it so that's kind of the uh, beginning the of genres, this. And the genre elements are still a heist, which is yeah, yeah. it is it is a heist, and it's, I it's mean, a heist. It, it abides by the heist movie genre um, for the rest of the film, which is what, the way it, commun- it it's able to communicate its sci-fi elements so efficiently. Yeah. Honestly, see, and and like how I define this movie, I I mean, yes, it this from the story's perspective, it is just mostly a heist movie with some like interesting technology thrown in but for me like in a broader sense this this fits into like i was saying the um 2010s realistic sci-fi action movie where it's kind of this how do i even explain it it's got usually a male male protagonist involved with some sort of unique technology that we don't have in the real world and then it's like a film about that and how they're interacting with it. Usually there's like a, a strong female secondary character who is either a love interest or just like a part of the, of the an integral part of the story, which happens in this uh, with two different characters, actually one being a romantic interest and one being the, um, 
example of what they're like usually when they're not the romantic interest. They're just like either really skilled at the technology or something like that. Uh, so that all happens. Um, I, I I can't remember what the girl's name is that works with them through the heist. Ariadne? Yeah. Yeah. She's like a very creative person. And apparently this technology, by the way, is like in the world of this film, uh, it's widely used. It's already come out. We don't know who invented it unless it's... Um, that professor in like yeah, London, a lot, a lot of the, the literal elements of this movie are obscured. Yes, um, intentionally so. Um, I think that's a. I I really like that decision um, because it allows the movie to function similarly to honestly the way Blade Runner twenty forty nine does, which we talked about um, last week. In that it it's less so a science fiction film in that it's it's interested in dealing with the literal repercussions of dream technology, um, but it's more so interested in the the metaphorical impact that that has and kind of like what is reality in general and, and what is um, what is the nature of truth? Uh, what is the nature of how we exist in everyday life and, and what we believe to be true or, or not true? And I think that's, and, that, and that's why it becomes more interesting than something that's just like, like there's no there's no real uh, it's not like a Black Mirror episode where it's dealing with the moral implications of what you would do with dream technology. It's not worried about the fact that he's he's using dream technology to heist on people. Like that's not the that's not the issue here, um, which I think is just more interesting than than your typical science fiction film. Yeah, when when the technology is shown to already kind of be just a, a, another thing in the world, like you see some people are using it as like a sleep aid. Some people are using it, um, kind of. The military uses it for training. Exactly. So, so it's like there's all sorts of different um, uses for this. So it it is widely known, and it's being taught to these people in in, in right. school. But and also, that's all of those he, those examples of people in the world using it, those have like metaphorical intent too. Like the the way that the people who are using it for dreaming, they're 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 it's their only way that they can dream anymore. So it's kind of this idea that like they've disconnected from reality so far to the point that they can't exist in reality. That the the, the reality that they made up for themselves is the only one that they that they that they desire to live in anymore. Yeah. Um, the military example is probably more so of just like a broader uh, implication of that. Yeah, and, and, and thing. so yeah, you don't know who invented it or how it came to be or how long it's been in been in use, but apparently long enough for these people to really know how to uh, use it well for multiple years we can at least assume. Um but as I was saying just with that one female character like she's kind of brought in as an architect, I guess you could call him, right? Yeah, so he, so basically Cobb brings in Ariadne because he needs an architect to, to build the dreams. Um, and he needs to do this because of the other female character, which is his his wife, Maul. Um, and he can't build the dreams himself because Maul is in his subconscious. And if uh, he builds the dreams, then She's Maul is also aware of the dreams, um, of how the dream is built, and she can attack them while they're trying to perform the heist. Um, which is why they hire Ariadne, and then after they do that, they, it's, again, it's again, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a genre element of of the heist movie where they have to go and build their entire team. So they get Ariadne, they get um, uh, Arthur, um, who is already he's kind of like the buddy that which you find in like Ocean's Eleven, like Danny, Danny Ocean, and and Brad Pitt's character are already buddies before the movie starts, and then those two go out and go get the rest of the team. So in here, so it's, Arthur, it's and, Arthur this is... and Cobb. Um, um, that go out to get everybody else. So then they get Ariane, they get Eames, uh, Saito's the guy who planned the job, they get Yusuf, who's the guy who gives them the uh, dream potion that allows them to basically go down deeper and deeper, more and more dreams into within dreams. 
Um, and they got the target, obviously, which is um, the guy who Saito wants them to uh, plant the idea inside of, yeah. which is, again, a really fascinating way to tell a story because it's really this movie. Like, I, I spoke before. I don't know if I spoke this on the podcast or the the, show, the radio show, but um, Tenet has a really interesting way of uh, doing it speaks metatextually on a certain level about how its main character is called the protagonist and it's just the protagonist. And um, if you look at it metatextually, you can see how he kind of influences his past self and how mm -hmm. a creator, when they come into a work, they're going to have uh, look back on something and rewrite something. And, and it's very much a movie about rewriting and editing, I think. Whereas Inception, I think, does that same thing, uh, obviously 10 years earlier. Um, but in the way that it uses... <laughs> dreams within dreams as stories within stories, if that makes sense. So basically, Cobb has to tell a story to Fisher while the story of Inception is being told to us. Um, so it's very much a movie about filmmaking in general um, and, the, and the way that stories are told on top of being a heist movie. There's so much going on in this movie. It's not even, and then that's not even, we haven't even gotten to any of like the timey-wimey distortion yeah, well, stuff Well, it's just the all. further in you go, the more levels of dreams you go into, the more time in the real world, or the, the longer you'll spend in that uh, consciousness and how do I even explain it? So like, what is it, like one twentieth of the time or something like that? So like five minutes in a normal dream would, or five minutes in the real world would be like an hour in the dream world. Yeah. Then you just keep that going. So every time it's like to the, yes. you know, one. Each dream you go down, it goes, it gets. It's 20 it gets, times longer. It gets and it just, longer and out longer, exponentially longer and longer until you get so long to that it just drops out into limbo where it just goes on infinitely um, until you are able to force yourself up into the next level. Yeah. And that happens with, um, these things called aren't they uh, jumps or kicks? No, it's kicks. kicks. Yep. And so that was and one then, thing. And the I, kick is what happens. You see that, and again, that's just the movie's set. It's it's so complicated that it has to be efficient in storytelling, and it sets up all this stuff in its first ten minutes with that first heist. So you get the dreams within dreams stuff happening. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, ease you in really. It it really does show. Okay, we're doing dreams within dreams within dreams right off from the bat, and we're gonna go deeper from there. Mm. Um, so it's like it could have gone it easy. It's like you start in a dream and then you wake up in reality, but it doesn't do that. It goes dream within dream and then you're in reality. Um, I mean, unless it's which, all a dream, in the, which case it is a dream kicks, within a dream within a reality. The kicks didn't really make as much sense to me as like. But then, right again, so it does do the kicks at the end of that at, at the end of that opening scene because that's that's an integral part of the world and the way it's built together. I'm saying more further along, like as they because as this plot progresses, obviously they have this heist where they're trying to plant information into this one businessman's mind. Um, to disband, we haven't said this yet, to disband his father's empire. So basically, his, they're yeah, afraid empire. that he's going to basically rule the world uh, with his father's empire because his it's become so powerful. And so Saito is a rivaling uh, company who wants to, to disband his empire for the betterment of the entire world, not just his own yeah. uh, personal interests. But, but I'm just saying, like, the kicks weren't... Can, the way that they set up the mechanics of a kick, how it wakes you up out of this one guy's, like, special concoction of... of I yep. guess you'd call it like inception. Yeah, so he's got an inner uh, ear function, so it puts you down within the dream, and so you can't. So like you have to go. Otherwise, it's 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 not possible to just hook up to the machine and go down a level without having this special contraction. So he does it so you sleep easier, but he's got this function within it that allows your inner ear function to be re to remain um, enabled still. So if your inner ear is like feels the yep. the drop, it but, will wake you up. But there were things that like should have 
woken them up a few levels down that didn't like I don't understand how like they 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 show that if you're falling like it should like instantly wake you up and and I get that a lot of the falling was like one level in but that should have still woken them up like I I as far as I understood like through multiple levels like why would it only affect you one level in after that and then like it cuz I think they go down four levels you have the real world you have first dream level and second and third and then, and then they then go then to a fourth which is like the most distorted and that's where all the big climax of this of this film kind of happens but it's like in that in that f- first or second dream level there's like a consistent fall that just keeps happening and it's kind of working as the timer yeah, so, so why the are they not feeling that like because they missed the first kick yep. and so once you're in free fall there's no kick anymore because you're in you're in you're you're in zero gravity there's no there's no gravity happening until they hit the hit the water cuz that's <sighs> when the second kick is going to happen so I mean, they, their intention is to happen when they first break out when they first fall off the bridge, and that's when they were intending to use the kick. Um, but once the car is in free fall, there's no more. There's no more change. It's like it's like in physics when you're in like an elevator, and it's. The, I mean, they have an elevator in this, but in elevator in an elevator, you're accelerating when the when the elevator starts to move. But as soon as the elevator is moving up the shaft, you're not you're not accelerating anymore. But then when the elevator slows down again, then you are accelerating again. Yeah, but like. So I don't know. I mean, it's it like works. when you're jumping off like a high dive. Like you, you go to a pool and it's got like a forty foot high dive or something. You feel that the whole way you're going down. Like you're still feeling that feeling in your gut, and that was like what I'm picturing with this this kick. Yeah, nine point eight meters per second per second. My well, the way I see it, it it's still well, yeah. But they would have still been accelerating in the car as it's going down off this bridge. I think the idea is that it's like a it's a faster accelerate. Like the the bridge hit is like a faster acceleration and it's like once they hit the water yeah. it's again it's like completely yeah, I, stopped. I, I, I get that to, but I, that that was just one thing that bothered me i mean i'm sure but again I, my, my my point about the, all of that is that the movie is much more concerned about the the metaphorical impacts of all, it's not as concerned of, with the the literal things of it so it, it the fact that it's there i think it's like it serves its function for the story um and again it's a I, what whatever i think it works literally i i couldn't yeah. i don't think it's that important but yeah um i mean and i had never seen this film until this watch through that I, I I had to do, yeah, and I was I was pleased with it, but I've definitely liked other Christian uh, or uh, Chris Nolan films more than this. Um, this is Christopher Nolan's best movie for me. I still think Falling Dunkirk is better. Close. I think Tenant's better. I think in, uh, the Dark Knight movies I think are better. I, I th- think out of all of those, Dunkirk it comes the closest because it's the clean. It's it's the cleanest and best most put together out of all of those but i feel like inception has this level of it's elegant in a way that christopher nolan movies never are um and it's also fully thought out in a way that some christopher nolan movies aren't um and it's also it's got the i think again dunkirk is the one that brings comes the closest to all of these but again inception has more ideas than dunkirk does i feel like on dunkirk is very a visceral experience but inception is a visceral experience on top of having broader thematic things in its in its uh intent on top of that okay well when we uh come back we're going to start storing uh the film inception so stick around I am Larry Miller. Weekdays at 11, we bring you programs on topics you can use. From computers to health, home repair to gardening, our experts have answers to your questions. And we discuss Wisconsin's natural areas and the best ways to enjoy them. Weekday mornings at 11, here on 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. 
And we're back here on 90.3 WRSD-FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen. Gideon and I are going to be giving our scores for Inception. So let's see here. What is our first category, Gideon? First category is First Impression. Just so you know, you're making a pretty bad first impression. Now, for me, watching this film, it was an enjoyable film. It was a good film. But when you're comparing it to such a high-caliber filmography that that Chris Nolan has, I felt it fell short a little bit. Um, I I just think most of the films of his I've seen are better than this. I feel like this will age well if you ever go to rewatch it. I know everybody loves well, but this. But the category is first impression, so. Yeah, and I mean, it just, it was good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like, I definitely think it's worth watching. I wish I hadn't waited uh, 11 years to watch this. But I just think that he's done movies that are kind of in the same, I don't know how to how to even describe it, just kind of give the same vibe as this. They all kind of, but, but I think he's done it Heavy better. science fiction. It's his yeah. thing. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, but even when he doesn't do... Okay, so why why is Tenet better than Inception? Because I don't think it's even close. I feel like Tenet itself is visually better. I think it has... It looks... I mean, there are certain points in this film where it's like the effects just kind of even break your suspension of disbelief a little oh, I was, bit. Well, I mean... I, I think more in the I, fourth I think level the effects when it gets, here, The effects here hold up 100%. I saw, last time I saw this, I saw uh, Fortunately, I was to see it in the theater. Um, they re-released it right before Tenet came out. Um, and I think this holds up ridiculously well from a VFX standpoint. Um, mm. Sorry, go on. No, but I don't know. There were just things visually I wasn't a huge fan of. Oh, there yeah, were, like the, the stuff and, in the, that's all... It's intended to be on reality so like yeah. that's the crazy thing about it like it's it's not supposed to look like reality but it's supposed to feel like reality and it does yeah um well, because it's very much a, like because it's about what is or is not real it has to feel real even in the midst of the fact that it's not um and i think that's a crazy and so that's using visual effects for a story purpose which is what i love when it happens and it happens here and it's just done in one of the best ways possible mm. i yeah Again, it's like it's hard for me to exactly put a finger on like what all the like every single little issue. It just felt like there was something a little off about it to me as I was watching. It's really hard to describe, but I would say it's just he's done better films. Again, this is still a good film, but uh, there were things that that I had issues with. Like I said, I felt like the kicks weren't consistent. And it didn't make sense. And same with like the water, how water affects you in a dream wasn't consistent. And shouldn't, if it's at this level, shouldn't that also, shouldn't you also be feeling it like a few levels down? Like why would it stop? Yeah, I think at a certain that is, point, is like if it's raining, if it's raining on level one, um, then he actually feel it in, you'd feel it in the second one, but why don't you feel it in the third? Cause, well, because it's because he because it's not the same host of the dream. So like he so um, Yusuf pieces or is it Yusuf? Oh yeah, Yusuf pees his pants in on in rea- in real life, and so he's the host of the dream in level one. So it's raining in level one, um, and then he, he's getting rained on. So they're in the car, um, and so when rain comes in the window of the car, that's when it starts raining in the level two. But then on level two, whoever's hosting the dream there, I think it's Arthur. I think Arthur's hosting the dream in level two. So because he's he's not getting rained on in level two, so. He, it's not raining on But, I mean, they're three. all getting hit with the water in the car. So that's like... But he's not the host of that level. But I know. I'm just, Okay, well, it just seemed... 
It's, we, it's definitely complicated, but I don't think there's like many logical flaws in the way it works. All I'm saying, it kind of threw me off. I still well, think... Just because it throw you, threw you off doesn't mean that it's a flaw in the movie, is all I'm saying. I'm saying it seemed a little overly complicated, and they could have avoided having any like having to explain all these issues and all these things by just not implementing a water system like that. Like, yeah, nobody's think, asking well, I mean, for that. Okay, that's fine. Um, but I feel like the idea of... of, of <sighs> things translating between dream levels and how it affects you is just a really interesting idea and the way how it something affects and it just I, I think all of it's really cool okay well my score for first impression was an eight um like, I this can is say a that pretty solid 10 out of 10 for me um this is one of the first movies that like really got me into um film and just filmmaking in general and just i saw this probably two years after it came out i didn't even see it in the theater um but i feel like a lot of those type of movies, like in the past, even other Christopher Nolan movies, like The Dark Knight Rises, I used to love when I was a kid. Um, but I feel like I've come to this point where it's like, it's not that, it doesn't hold up as the way it used to. Um, whereas this, I feel like it's just a genuinely great movie um, and, and does hold up on its own aside from my nostalgia for it. So 10 is my score for first impression. Okay. Then our next category is... And uh, with story... I, I think it was a good one. I liked, I, I did enjoy how it was written about him and his, his wife. Like, I definitely thought once, and I'm not going to spoil it here, even though it's been out for 11 years. Yeah. Once you kind of learn what, like, what happened with his wife, like the full story, I thought that was awesome. And I loved how that was yeah. written. Um, well, and that's the reason why I think this stands above most of Christopher Nolan's other works is that it does have, like, it's the heady sci-fi that also has the heart to it. Whereas a lot of times, especially Tenet, um, it's heady sci-fi without as much of the heart at, running without it. And this has that running throughout the entire thing. And you, and it's a movie that makes you feel things, which is not something you're used to feeling in, in, a, in a Christopher Nolan movie. And I think that's, like, what he pulls off and the reason why she's there um, on top of all that. Um, yeah, it's just amazing stuff. Yep. Um, so for story... I think I'm also going to give this an eight. Again, it's like I had some like issues understanding certain aspects of it. And also like it just it just seemed a little overcomplicated when it didn't need to be. And and like how, also how does aging for a person's consciousness work in a dream? Like why can't why does that why is that consistent with that dream's timeline and like all sorts of other things that just just didn't seem to flow the way I would have liked. So, I yeah, mean, they I'm, show that's part of the 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 Maul and Cobb story. I know, but but it's but not just his, but then also the other guy Sato's Saito. Yeah, Saito's. I mean, that's the way. It, that's just the way it works. But like, is the way they show. Why it. would you be? But it just never made sense to me. Like, why would you be aging in a in a dream like that, and then not? Well, they show it. They're not actually. It's depend. Like, there's a, they show once where it's again Christopher Nolan's doing this thing where it's like, what is or is not reality. He does this in Memento too. Um, but one time he shows them aged on the train tracks and then one time he shows them, um, as not aged. Yeah. Well, that's fine. If he's trying to convey like the, the age of their consciousness, that's fine. But like their physical bodies in a dream world, they don't, they're in a dream there. There's nothing physical there. Then why would they be aging physically? Because, because we it's know metaphorical, that, dude. They're just showing a. It's but, literally using visual to show a metaphor. That's but what the other the guy isn't. Is. But the other guy isn't. He's old. He's an old man when yeah, he's in, in his a like dream. Okay, but that. But it's not real. It's either. It's either. <laughs> that's it's why they either can show you're both. aging in this or you're not. 
if you're if you're not like you're saying what happens with the couple, then that's fine. Then that's a theor- like you're just see- you're just visual. Physical. You can't argue this because they're both aged and not aged at the same time. It's neither. It's metaphorical. It's showing that they're both still the same person as they were when they started, as well as their souls have aged along with each other together. But Sato isn't. He he he's. You're not seeing a young. You're not seeing the young him. You're seeing the old him sitting at that table. So, so and Leo's a young dude because he, he washed up on the shore of Saito's subconscious. Yeah, but Saito's apparently been there for like sixty years or whatever. This is not worth arguing about because it's literally <laughs> does not matter. It's literally using it as a metaphor to show how they've aged mentally, not actually to be whether or not they're physically aged. I would agree if they hadn't done with done the thing with okay, the old Sato. No That's Let's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, my story for story is ten. Okay. I, I think this, again, I've talked about the way that the, the metatextual elements of this work, which really, again, didn't click with me entirely until um, the this last theater viewing, um, specifically because I think, again, and, and, the, and the, <laughs> this is a really heady idea, but I think the argument about whether or not the ending, whether or not he's dreaming or not, which is, even if you haven't seen this movie, you've definitely heard this argument if you are paying attention to pop culture whatsoever. I think... Movies themselves are shared dreams to a certain extent. You come to the theater, and and so this movie deals with the idea of sharing dreams, right? And so movies themselves are shared dreams. We come together 100%. and give ourselves up to a uh, suspension of disbelief, right? So, somebody so, has seen this in their mind, they right, wrote it and down, they, and then they remade exactly. it into and the so this movie, into I think, is world. definitely aware of that idea. So Cobb's state of reality, as he understands it, doesn't matter not only because he has gotten back to his kids, but also because we are aware that the narrative of the movie is not real. So like we, the audience, know in our heads, even though we've given ourselves up and given our suspension of belief up, disbelief up to the movie to, to believe that the movie is real, after the movie, or we're, we're, we become aware that all that we just watched wasn't real. We're coming out of the dream. So Cobb cannot be in reality either way because as the audience, we are aware that he's not a real person and his world is a creation of Christopher Nolan's. Sort yeah. of how Fisher exists in and experiences the world created by Cobb, and what matters is that he reaches his own catharsis. Um, to, so, like he's his, he's in his own narrative that's created by Cobb, and then Cobb's in his own narrative created by Christopher Nolan, and Cobb must also reach his own catharsis. Um, and then again, the audience reaching it, following him as our point of view character. So, like pause, the idea that positive emotion trumps negative emotion every time, and when Cobb reaches his moment of catharsis, that's the most important thing for the story, regardless of whether or not he's actually in reality. So Nolan's basically directing our attention to the top only to cut away from it, which really could show his intention that the top doesn't matter more than if he had shown Cobb spin the top, but then follow him away from it. Like it's, it seems kind of contradictory, but I think that's what's going on here. I think they should have just stayed on the top like another second because I'm pretty sure it, it looks like it's about to wobble. Like, right, to but the me, point like, is that it doesn't, you don't, my, the whole point it, 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 don't is that it doesn't matter. Yeah. Whether you know or don't know, the point is that Cobb has reached his emotional catharsis and we, the audience, have reached our emotional catharsis along with him. And yeah. the fact that the cut top is cut off, that's literally the cut to black is bringing us, the audience, out of the dream, back into reality. Like, okay, I see what you mean. Yes. I see what you mean. Good call. And that blows my freaking mind. The fact that I didn't ever realize this before. Like, <laughs> That's the a cut good to call. black is literally bringing us. That's ins- and I and I, I. It's just there's too many elements that lead to that to make that <laughs> not the case. I feel like either you're totally on the money with this, or, or you it's just, just complete. Yeah, or it's totally but unintentional. I, I feel like it has to be because I feel like the idea of filmmaking being run through all the entire movie, like with Cobb being the director, Sidel's the producer. Uh, 
uh, yeah. Tom Hardy's the actor. Like I've you've seen these things on the internet. That's before. a good. That's a good parallel. Wow, you are you are totally right with that. I I mean, I I think you're that is a really really cool parallel that they that they do with that using symbolism and yeah. That's that's neat. I I yeah I do dig that. Um, Which and if that's the case, that just literally makes this one of the greatest movies of all time alone. Because like. How do you pull that off? I don't understand. It's <laughs> hard. And to again, do. like it's the it's the metaphorical aspects of this thing that I that I, I mean, when I was a kid, I loved to when when I was twelve years old, I loved to go on the internet and try to figure out all the different things and how all the different timey wimey dream levels worked and see all the and I can tell you all that if I had the time to do it. But what I don't really care about any what I care about now is what it's trying to say metaphorically, and I think it really holds up so well. And I and that's how this movie ages with you too. Like it just kind of has has come to a place where I can I can look at it in a different way than I did. Uh, uh, 10 years ago. All right, well then, so you gave it a 10 for that. Uh, next category is... Actually, I don't think I did. But, uh, I thought you said... I didn't say it, but <laughs> acting is our next category. I didn't say it, but I think you can probably I hear from my... I thought you did. I well, swear you can hear from my did. tone of voice that it's a 10 regardless. Yeah, okay, so acting, I just want to say it's kind of funny how, like, 90% of the cast for this is in Dark Knight Rises. It's true. Like, it's like, you got Talia, you got Bane, you got... Uh, Scarecrow, you got uh, Alfred. You, I mean, it's like Scarecrow's literally in Dark Knight Rises for one scene. Doesn't he's still in it though? <laughs> but he's, he's still, but he's yeah, in yeah, all he's three. He's like one of the most consistent characters. Yeah, that is interesting, actually. Um, he's the only villain that's in all three of them. But uh, yeah, I just think it's it's kind of funny. Like it shows that Chris Nolan, just like a lot of directors, has like his preferred cast. Yeah, you know, you got like Adam Sandler always puts his buddies into those films. He always, you know, you have John Favreau always yeah. puts his friends into Quentin it. Tarantino labels them the gang. I think yeah, he always has at the end the, during the credits. Exactly. So it's like you you got all these directors who always have these favorite actors, and this is no exception. And Tom Hardy also is in Dunkirk, and uh, you got all so it, so it kind of transcends his whole like cinematic uh repertoire and um i think the acting was top notch uh with the cast of this whole film how can it not be yeah you did i mean there's nothing but pros pretty much uh the only person i really didn't recognize like right away maybe was the guy who came up with the serum for them and then the girl who was the architect like other than those two people like pretty much everybody i've seen somewhere else and i know that they're really good at what they do um so yeah. acting was Superb. I would probably have to. Oh, and then they also had the guy who played Robin, uh, or the like the, in Dark Joseph Knight Rising. Love it. Yep, they had him as well. Uh, <laughs> so it's like they really had everybody. Um, just anybody Chris Nolan has on speed dial. It's like that's how he casted Dark Knight Rises. You know, let's go through the contacts. Here we go. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think the acting was good. I think at certain points, I feel like they could have. Certain people could have emoted a little more, or maybe like some of it just kind of felt a little flat. So I'm still gonna just give it a nine out of ten. I think there there wasn't anybody who was like incredibly good for a for a long period of time or for like a whole scene where it was just like mind blowing. It's like consistency was good, but it was never great for a long period of time. Yeah, um, I think my score is a nine. Also, probably for acting. Um, again, you've got you've got Tom Hardy. Um, uh, Yusuf, who's played by what's his name, Dilip Rao, um, what Ken Watanabe, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, like all these people basically filling out the 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 heist team. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but the, so they're not really playing um, emotional roles, um, which I find really interesting. Actually, I mean, Saito is a little bit 
um, with his idea of uh, at, at the beginning is that when he tells him, the, what does he say? Like you're, he's not, he doesn't say that you're waiting for a train line, but he does say he, uh, you're, you're um, die, die an old man filled with regret. Um, uh, so that's that's a little bit of an emotional line, but uh, everyone else for the lar- for the most part it does is not playing uh, their own emotional arc. They're there really to serve Cobb and Cobb's interests. Um, other than Ariadne, who kind of has a relationship with him too, but um, I think just in general, uh, Marianne Cotillard's performance as Maul and Leonardo DiCaprio's performance as Cobb are are the core of this movie. Yeah. Um, and if those performances don't work, the movie does not work. Yeah. Um, and I think I always go back to the scene with with Leonardo DiCaprio screaming out of the window. Um, like where, like I feel like that's one of the most genuine performances I've seen from him, and he's a first of all a great actor, and second of all, this is a science fiction movie, and to get that type of performance out of this type of movie from that actor just is like crazy, and 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 every time that scene just like, like yeah, that's good it one. just grabs you by the heart, and again, that's the one I'm talking about when I'm that's saying that's probably like, my favorite scene in the film is that when that because revealed. it's the heart of the movie, I think. Yeah. Um, so, so you said it's a nine for Because acting. she's lost her control on reality. Like, it's the fact that it's, it's so, it's so tied up with, with, with who, who's real and who's not real, but, and it shows the, the psychological implication that it has on her and him, and both of them kind of have their journey throughout the movie. Yep. Um, and you see that in the performance. Uh, nine is my score for acting. All right, then, uh, forget the sound effects. Let's just keep rock and rolling here. Look and feel. Look and feel. I think this is an Eight. It was so solid, but then there were some times where it just looked a little too ridiculous to me. Like, it took me out of it, like, sadly. Like and what? The fourth level, when they're in that city, and it's like the storm's coming, there's like a big storm. It just looked ridiculous to me. Like, I looked out that window, and it just was like, come on. It just, something about it just, just, just rubbed me the wrong way. I can't, it's I hard to explain. I probably agree with you, honestly. That storm is probably the, the least the least uh, sound part of the whole visual effects, but I think everything else besides... I, I, yeah, they, now that you say that, that is probably a good example of, of, of where it fault is, but I think everything else, other, literally everything else other than that that I can think of is just like spot on. I know. Um, from and the it, visual effects, but also from a cinematography standpoint. It, it's very cool, and I liked everything about it, and if they would have just fixed that up or cut certain aspects of it or something like that, then it probably would be like a 10 out of 10. But for me, because it literally pulled me out of the movie and I was like really into it at that point and then I watched that and it, like for me, if something yeah, doesn't hold up and isn't a certain level like... of consistency, I get pulled out and I I can remember when I'm pulled out. So that happened to me there. And uh, so that's why it gets not down to an eight. I mean, that's why I Rogue One, like with it was in my opinion, one of the best Star Wars movies ever made. But when the store fell short, it pulled me out of it and it lost... You know, it's ten out of ten rating for me. It probably would be my favorite Star Wars film if not for the the score failing, so, uh, the the musical score. I should oh, say for shoot. those. Oh shoot! I forgot that musical score is part of look and feel. I was gonna, I was late thinking about a nine. I'm moving this to a ten. Like <laughs> honestly, the time by Hans Zimmer, like legit goaded track of all time. I know goaded track of all time is a, <sighs> is a redundancy, but like I again, I think John Williams ending, has to hold best ending make, track like, ever. But oh my gosh, like it's just it's the perfect ending to this movie. Okay. Um, well, but again, even throughout the rest of this movie, Hans Zimmer's score is just really kinetic um, and soulful where it needs to be, which is kind of surprising. Like you don't think of those two words fitting next to each other. Um, I might push this back down to a nine. I think I'm. I think you're. I think I'm gonna go to a nine again. Cinematography wise, it's 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 really great, but it's not to the perfect level. So I don't think I can give this yeah. a 10. I'm going to go with a nine. Last category then is effect. Um, for me, I'm going to make it real short. Uh, 
left me more confused than Tenet a little bit at, it, with certain aspects of it. Like, I was questioning more things in this than I was in Tenet. That's kind of surprising to me, honestly. I think Tenet is just, especially on a first watch, more confusing than this. But It, it was tough, but I, I, I kind of got the gist. Right. Mostly for well, Tenet. With this one, there was like oh. plot holes that literally like I didn't understand. And you kind of helped me with like one of them here. But like most of it like still doesn't seem to really hold up to me. Whereas at least in Tenet, it, you know, I get it. Like I understand what's happening in there with the time inversion and everything like that. And there weren't huh. plot holes that really threw me as bad as what happened in this. That's so, surprising me because most of what I've heard from other people, they think Tenet is much more confusing than Inception. But um, but I would say I've I would say a seven a, for this. Right, I've gotten to a point where I understand both of them that I can't really relate to that mm. um, idea of them being confusing. I probably I did the first time I watched them, but I I've this is I put to, so much time into understanding these movies. This is, is easier <laughs> to understand on a broader level, but the with literal, mechanics, the mechanics of it, yeah. it doesn't work as well to me. Right, that's so I, my issue. But I think on a fir for me on a first watch, I would rather be. Uh, confused about the mechanics but understand the broader but i think with tenet people were confused by the mechanics and therefore didn't understand it on a broader level either um which is interesting uh effect for me is a 10 um this is again this especially this last time i saw it in the movie theater it was uh the movie that i loved for so long and had never been able to watch in the theater and then i finally got to see it in proper screen size and proper sound and it was just like almost i euphoric. bet that would have been cool and then especially with that thing that i said about the ending clicking yeah for me at least clicking the way that i think i want it it was just perfect um 10 okay. out of 10 for me, which means that our final score yeah, let's just get right is into it. an 88 out of 100, which I am very happy with. Yeah, that's pretty good um, for, our, for our scoring puts system. Puts it at one above Ford versus Ferrari and one below into the Spider-Verse, which I think is great. That's, yeah, that's really a good placement. That. Yeah. That's a good placement right there. All right, then our next film we're going to be talking about is I Am Legend. And uh, I'm going to play a little bit of a clip here from that and uh, we'll keep her going. The world is quieter now. You just have to listen. If we listen, we can hear God's plan. God's plan? Yeah. All right, let me tell you about your God's plan. There were six billion people on Earth when the infection hit. KV had a 90% kill rate. That's 5.4 billion people dead, crashed and bled out dead. Less than 1% immunity. It left 12 million healthy people like you, me, and Ethan. The other 588 million turned into your dark seekers. And then they got hungry and they killed and fed on everybody. Everybody. Every single person that you or I has ever known is dead. That, that has got to be one. Oh, there we go. Now it's finished. That has got to be one of my favorite, favorite lines from this. I'm so happy that it's that like my is our favorite part of the whole movie. Really? Oh, my God. I love that. It it's is so stupid, man. No. We already understand the entire world, and it's like two-thirds of the way through the movie, and he, he just explains he it all to us. He broke down the like numbers. He, he's rocking it. He, you know, it's like, if like, she doesn't no get it by now, we come on. We know how the movie is going. <laughs> we understand the world. You don't need to literally explain it to us. I love that scene. It is one of my favorite. That is probably one of my favorite little monologues in all of film. Because, wow. I, I mean, seriously. It's exposition. I... <laughs> Exposition what monologue on isn't? things that we already but, understand. But what monologue isn't? I don't know. I, 
It just seems... any of the good ones. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I mean, that is you can't just get fantastic. But I am legend. He's so Will Smith to... the emotion too. I whatever. Sorry. Let's well, let's continue. break it down. I am legend. What is it? It's 2009, 2008, 2007. I 2007. Think. Okay. Uh, I remember like going in family video. This was like a cardboard stand up like display. Like I remember that it was him with the dog in the in the uh, Brooklyn Bridge behind him. Or uh, I don't know if it's exactly the Brooklyn Bridge. If somebody from New York is listening to this, it might be like something else like the Triborough or something like that. But uh, he's got the bridge behind him. It's destroyed, you know, and it's it's just great. And I love this film. I've seen it like a million times on syndication on TV. It's like on pretty much like every week. I swear to God, it's, it's there. Um, and it's about this guy who is essentially the last survivor of this virus that happens um and the whole pretty much the whole world is gone he's just he's a man alone with his dog um and he's just kind of living in manhattan trying to cure cure this disease that um i don't know if he wasn't he wasn't the inventor of it but he, he probably worked with the because they show the doctor who who did the like of the disease yeah yeah so they show emma Tom. Emma Thompson, I think, right? Yeah, I think it is. Um, so she's the one who developed it. Yeah, and then I think he worked tried, with her or something. Trying to cure cancer, and then and and it it, oh, it did work. work. It did work. Well, it did work, and then and then it and then mutated, it and it spread, and it, it spread worked until it didn't. Kind of like this movie. <laughs> oh my God! If you're gonna hate on this man, come on! It's good. It's a rocking film. This was the yeah, first it, time you watched really it, right? For like the yeah, the first time I watched it, it's really good oh. for like the first forty-five minutes. Until it like completely ditches its tone and makes absolutely zero sense, but oh. see now that's that's interesting. So that's like when the when what's her name is introduced, right? Yeah, around that time. I think yeah. her introduction is just like very mishandled. Um I, I can kind, kind of, of agree. out of nowhere. Um, yeah. and then even once it comes out of nowhere, it's like it doesn't do the it doesn't really Within the text of this movie, it doesn't really do anything thematically or, like, it doesn't really mean anything other than just, like, I'm here because, like, she says, I'm here because God sent me. But then it's, like, okay, well, why, she had, though? like, she had, like, a moment where it seemed just too good to be true. She, like, turned into the radio for right, some exactly. reason and then it, it's she like heard it's his broadcast. Okay, so it's, this is what everyone hated on Signs for doing. Have you seen Signs? Yeah. Okay, so everyone hates on Signs because... It does the thing at the end where everything comes together um, because it's God's plan. But guess what Signs did? Signs actually does the work to make that all make sense. Like, literally everything that happens at the end has been planted from the very beginning. And yeah. the idea that God has an influence in Mel Gibson's life is planted from the very beginning of the movie. Whereas in this, halfway through the movie, some <laughs> random person comes into Will Smith and is like, Yo, you she need to believe in God. <laughs> Why? This is not a thing that the movie's been concerned about for the entire time. You can't just bring that up and then expect it. And then it like even I that, think it's and then less even the very of, ending that idea. They do the thing with science. Well, it's it's a very similar pacing <laughs> to the way that with science, where he's like, look at the butterfly, and then he looks at the butterfly, and then he blow like it literally does nothing. I Why never does caught that. that happen? I never caught that butterfly thing until my most recent watch it's of it. So by the way, stupid. Um, I, this movie. Okay, so I really like the first half. I agree. When he's alone, it's better than when she's introduced. Yeah, you're just vibing with him and the dog, man. Yeah, and it's so sad. And when... they don't explain it. 
and they literally just let you, they put you in the world and just well, say, here we, I mean, they do a little bit, they, they give you do the, the flashbacks and they do the flashbacks. I, I think the flashbacks I, are dumb. I thought um, the flashbacks, the way that they do them sporadically is cool. I mean, it's fine, but I just don't think you need them. Um, I think the most interesting part of this movie is that you're kind of dropped in and then left to figure out the little pieces of information that you pick up here and there about how we got to where we are. And all that stuff is great. And then they just try to tell you word for word how it all happened. I don't understand how you do something so well and then just blow it off for no reason. It's well, so stupid. I like the I like the breakdown of the numbers there from that clip. Is that is that what you're saying? Like I mean, they shouldn't have done? part of it, but like even the stuff with... That's one. That's the probably the most blatant re example of it. But there's other times where, like, he talks to the dog, and he's like, "Yo, I can get sick still, but you can't." No, um, or, or I can vice get, versa. I, yeah. Yes, you can get still, still. Like, we knew that. We were we figured that out. You don't need to tell it to us. We're not stupid. not necessarily. I mean. There are hints at it, but it's right, not exactly. obvi There's obvious. You don't need to explain word for word to the audience. We're, the audience is not stupid. Do not treat the audience like they're stupid. And this movie bafflingly treats us like intelligent human beings for half the movie and then just dumps on us like we're dumb. It's so <laughs> annoying to me. I can't believe you like like you had that sort of effect. I don't know if I've ever seen you like this. I, I don't think I've mm. ever seen me like this. Yeah, like I've never seen this sort of reaction from you from any film and... Like, this is how I get with I Star know. Wars. This I've never seen you get like this about anything. And I don't even care. Like I literally don't care about this movie. Like it's just it's just whatever. Because I <laughs> I normally have like the just just who cares move on with your life type of attitude. So maybe we'll just do that for the rest of the episode. But it's, <laughs> it is really annoying to me. I, I just don't. No, I, I just don't understand. I, I hey I like the energy, man. I like how you're at least passionate about it because then that means that this movie left like a pretty notable impression. Nah, I forgot about it after the day I watched it. Uh huh. It's just because we're talking about it again. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> you can try to keep this facade up, but you and me both know the truth. But yeah, so essentially, it's this guy. He's alone. It's kind of like you know, cast away, but he's only alone for so far two years. I think he's yeah. he's in like year two of know. being alone. I'm pretty sure. I would have said three, but I don't know. It's two or three, but it's not five like Tom Hanks was dealing with. And he, uh, yeah, well, he's, he's there. He's alone. He's doing his thing. And then eventually some sad things happen with the dog. And then he's in a deep depression. This woman and her son find him. And so he's not alone anymore. And then... It's a big action sequence towards the end, and then pretty much that's the end of the film. And, I mean, I, if you haven't seen it by now, this film is 14 years old. I mean, come on. It's on TV all the time. Just tune in next time you're watching it because it's awesome. I know Gideon's acting like the second half's not. I still think it's really good. Watch some of it. if you haven't seen it by now, it's not worth it. Watch yeah. Inception instead. Uh, no, watch it. I, I, and by the way, I think the visuals hold up really well in this film too, like better than Bro, Inception's. there's no way this holds up but, even close to as good as Inception does. I, I think it does. But anyway. Visually, <laughs> the stupid vampire zombies look so dumb. Hey, at least you said vampires first. Most, pe most people don't put that together. I no, think they're definitely supposed to be vampires. They are vampires. They're, yeah. Essentially vampires. They're a different name, but yeah. same thing like, like how zombies in Walking Dead are just called walkers, you know. And that, or the undead, but they're never called zombies. Yeah. Do you, um, do we want to talk about what this movie was supposed to be, or what like the the source material is? Do you know about that and like the the original ending of this movie? Um, Which I don't understand either. Like what he that he survives it? They, well, that, no, not that he survives, but that the zombies are or the vampires are the good guys. I don't understand that either. 
Like, oh, I don't, I didn't. So know they that. changed the ending from yeah, basically the, va- the the vampires come down and they see like all the people that he's killed that he's hung up on his wall to try oh, and, and the save pictures, them. Yeah, and then and then he realizes that he's like been screwed up the entire time. Well, because he and thinks that they're thinks not that they're bad, higher but thinking. They actually are, and so it's his fault. But like, they're still vampires. They're still bad guys. Yeah, they they they're still evil. I mean, they're just people who are infected. I mean, that whole point is to show that these aren't just, like, mindless zombies. There's a, a actual, like, kind of cinematic okay, so romance what, between uh, between right, the so like, main the bad point? guy. I don't understand. Like, because so these are they, humans. He's trying to cure them, and he, he wants, and he, you know, he gets to that point, and it's like, I don't know. It's it. Watch it, folks, and decide for yourself, but... I would say don't watch it. I, it we're going to cut to... We're going to cut to a very quick 30-second break, and then when we come back, we're going to start storing I Am Legend, so stick around. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen... Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. And we're back here on 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen. Gideon and I are storing I Am Legend. Uh, so let's see here. What is our first category, Gideon? Uh, first category is first impression. Right. Just so you know, you're making a pretty bad first impression. And, uh... I've always loved this film. Originally, when I, when I, because I watched this a long time ago, like the first, I, I can't even tell you how old I was the first time I watched this. I, I don't think I was seven, but I was like probably nine or 10. The one thing that kind of messed me up, like that really irked me, was like those um, flashbacks. Cause when I was like a little kid, those ones kind of freaked me out. There was something like to the emotional reaction that just was like, I, I didn't like watching those scenes. But I never thought this was a bad movie. I always was like, if this is on, I'm watching it because it was always entertaining. And still to this day, if it's on TV and nothing else is, I'm like, heck yeah, I'm watching I Am Legend. Let's do it. I don't care if I'm 40 minutes in or, you know, an hour in, whatever. It's like, let's do it. So I've always I've always thought this film was really, really good. Uh, I think first impression for this was probably a nine. Other than his little flashbacks with his family, which always kind of bothered me. Um, not so much anymore, but... I, I, I was very pleased with this. Yeah, this movie's not good. I'm giving this a five. I don't care. Let's move on. Jeez, man. Sorry, I'm just joking. I'm just trying to play off what I said earlier. I, I, yeah. I really don't think this is just all that great. This um, is your first I was trying watch, to joke. Though. That was probably not, didn't come across as a joke. This is your, well, I mean, this was, though, your first watch. It so everything watch, you're saying yeah. is really, like, how you're feeling about it post number Yeah, I really just one, don't so. think it's that anything special honestly if i had to say now it might be a four um it, i just don't really like it all that much i don't think it has anything interesting to say i don't think what it thinks that it has to say is saying it in an interesting way um again some of the some of the the, the visceral effects hold up well in the first half um while the zombies are kind of out of sight um but vampires. once you kind of start to show them uh sorry vampire <laughs> vampire yes um <laughs> Once you start to show them, they start to come on, and like it just it just kind of falls apart visually too, um, and viscerally as a result. Um, yeah, first impression score is a five for me. Okay, what was the? I'm trying to remember what is the disease called or the the virus? They call it the. Uh, um, I, I don't remember. Uh, 
can't remember. It's such a cool name. They have like a really cool name. Uh, <laughs> but all right, next category is. And uh, with the story, again, I thought it was really, really good. I've never had an issue with the story at all. I've always thought it was it was top notch. This is one of my favorite movies. I don't. I mean, it's not a top ten, but it's still like up there. And I think it's probably the best of like any film that has a, a character kind of isolated and alone. And you know, like if you compare it to Castaway, or I'm trying to think of another one where it's like they're they're by themselves. The Martian. Yeah, Martian's a good example. Um, you if know, you compare this to A Quiet Place, kind of. I mean, it's not one person alone, but it is um, kind of like uh, isolated family after the apocalypse kind of thing. Yeah, the opening kind of does feel like Quiet Place a little yeah. bit, you know, but if he's driving that Mustang in the, in the world of the Quiet Place, he ain't going to be around for very much longer, yeah. you know. <laughs> Better hope he can get that thing faster than they can run, but good luck when you have to when you run out of gas. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it it definitely does kind of have that vibe, and it shows like the world with no people. You know, what was that? Wasn't there like a history uh, channel thing, like a world without people, or a hundred days after people, or something like that? There was a show that kind of did that thing too, that aesthetic. Oh, like inside the movie? No, no, no. I'm saying like in the real world, there oh, was a TV show called know. like or life with life after people, or something like that. And it was literally like going into what the world looks like if just everybody was gone and like how mm. things would disintegrate and what would happen in nature taking over. It's, it's cool. But it's like it shows that pretty well. Uh, but yeah, I, I was always pleased with the story. I'm thinking I'm going to probably give it a nine out of ten. I don't know if there's one part I'm not a big fan of with him, like after the thing that happens with the dog when he's just like on the dock. Like, I don't know. If I really like yeah, the way I mean, they wrote that, that, but it's hitting that beat in a script that a script has to have, which is like the low point and yeah. the, the the approach to the what do they call it the the build up to the climax approach and... to the death door. It's it's called a gauntlet, maybe I don't mm. know whatever whatever the screenwriting books call it. It's like the thing that you have to have in a script, which just kind of reeks of. Uh, I mean, sorry, Does you it could feel, say that it, it feels corporate forced? influence, but it doesn't really because it is a it is a natural beat from what happens after kind of like he kind of has to be alone um and so he's gonna go out and take out all the zombies all by himself and then die in the process um i don't know i i think this just doesn't really have anything interesting to say to me um and again what what, what was engaging to me about it is the way that the story progressed throughout the first half um and the way that it kind of uh evolved the plot evolves and kind of how we're just kind of sit and figure stuff out but then again it just kind of shows that that that's not really what it was trying to do I literally have, I don't know what it's trying to, like, I'm just confused by the end of this movie. I don't know what it's trying to say. I don't know why it's trying to say what it's trying to say, the way that it's trying to say it. Like, none of it makes sense. And that's exactly the worst possible feeling in a story is just not knowing what the heck is going on. And not, like, in the way that, like, you understand literally what's happening. It's just, like, there's no purpose behind any of it to me. Mm. Um, which is just, and then and then when the, when the literal elements fall apart on top of that, um, it's just like, okay, I don't care anymore. So this is a four out of 10 for me. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> this, now I'm kind of feeling how you were. I mean, if you want to convince me how the story makes any sense whatsoever. We don't have time. We have about five minutes left here. So I'm going to go into acting. Uh, I think acting is where this movie is amazing. Probably Will Smith's best film. Uh, in my opinion. He, no. I mean, he carries it so well and he's just fantastic. That monologue right there is just, 
perfect when he when he's uh, mimicking the Shrek scene. That's great too. Like, Dude, yeah. Why is that in this movie? Because that. Like, I understand. The, the, I understand what's the happening subtext. in the. Sh- I understand the subtext, but it's still so weird that could, he just walks out and randomly starts quoting it Shrek. Makes sense, man. I know. I'm. I'm not. I understand. He had a kid. Subte- he obviously yes, has watched this before. He's a fan subtext. of it. Well, no, and, that's not what I got from the. Subtext. But I'm just. No, I'm just. I'm not just saying that. I'm saying like the subtext is like the the commonality between what's being said in that scene and his situation in real life yeah about being alone yeah and, you know that's that all makes sense right but and it's that's why they're so doing weird it. that they chose shrek I, but it to worked do that. but it worked i think it's they realized so like this monologue is from from shrek it's like the or this the scene this inner uh this this exchange between these two characters is perfect for the scene i don't know acting i'd say 10 out of 10 i loved the acting in this film i think it's will smith's best what do you think for acting score um, then we got four minutes left here. Six, maybe. It, he does give a good performance for most of it. Um, I think when she comes up along, she's fine. She's passable. Um, again, I think that scene that we played, the clip, I think that's his worst part of the movie because he's just over it. Like, he's kind of been subdued up to this point, and you see little glimpses of the emotions that are happening in him, and that he's just kind of, like, laying on the ground. But, like, at that point, it kind of doesn't match with the tone that's been set up up to that point. Um so it just kind of comes across as as ploying and just not not interesting. Um, yeah, f- six is my score for acting. You said ten, right? Yep. Uh, look and feel is our next category. Um, I love the visuals in this. I think they all really hold up well, especially for two thousand seven. There's no way, dude. The, I think the the the, 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 so bad. the vampire I mean, the dogs are incredibly good. They I just think, look like dogs with big veiny weird. Yeah, no hair, and they're infected. Yeah, and like, I get it. Just, I I think it works really well. I think it looks what great. Is interesting I think about it though, like it's just, they're just people. I'm with watching this, skin. and I'm, what's what's interesting is that I'm watching this film from two thousand seven that has a lot of human and animal. Uh, characters that are infected with this disease and look shockingly different from normal humans yet it doesn't ever uh not i mean it's never hitting the uncanny valley it's always great bro you can't there's no way they, I, they I think the visuals so are fake. amazing in this they're so fake i i i totally disagree i think this is one of the best like looking just, I feel like, like when the girl's on the on the on the operating CG, it doesn't work. table you know when she's on the it operating table she so, looks good that's the worst part of the I, whole thing like her skin the way she breathes up and down I, and the way the skin stretches it just looks so fake to me it's, you, it's to me it looks completely great completely computer generated creation like i feel like with people and zombies and stuff the only way that you can do it is like makeup and stuff. Like you look at something like Shaun of the Dead, and that's like they put makeup, and it looks real. Here, it's literally all CG, and it looks well, terrible. Well, you can't but, can't just put makeup on these people. You have to do an uh, CG, and I think they nailed it, well, and I, mean, I think it's amazing. Just, I, and it uh, whatever. My point is, look and feel. Besides the CG and stuff, aesthetically in the whole film, ten out of ten. I think it looks really, really, really good. And I think I think the the city is totally believable. That it's overgrown and, and yeah, that, the overgrown stuff looks pretty good. Like, how do you um, even make also, New and York? That, and that is CG, like that. but you can't tell it's CG. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, um, obviously. And that, and that stuff looks great. Yeah. So, what is your look and feel score? And then we got to get into effect um, here in the last minute. And I'm half. gonna go five, four or five, five. I'm, I'm gonna go five. Year the the yes. Moving on. Wow. Okay. Uh, effect. Um, I think I would give this a. Probably an eight. I was never a super big fan of the climax of this, like just because I wanted him to, you know, stay with it. But 
I, I still I still liked this film a lot and and it's very cool and out of all like the films with isolated characters this is probably my favorite um so an eight yeah I'm gonna go five again in this category as well um I didn't have a terrible time with it like I I enjoyed watching it I, like I enjoy all movies like I didn't I just was confused by the story more than anything um but again it's always fun to watch Will Smith hang out in an action movie like there's not like there's nothing to cl complain about there okay uh, I think five overall is fine which gives us a final score of 71 which puts it at the same score as Judas and the Black Messiah. I think it's much, much better than that film. I, I think it's much, much better. But, uh, you know, if 71's where we land, that's where we land. But uh, thank you all for listening to Script to Screen here on 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. Coming up next is The Shot.